Let's do this. It's the second half of the Hump Day Show. Blaine and Mickey on a Wednesday. Uh, Lucas, I didn't tell you to do this. I feel like we should cue up the Price is Right music. I don't know if that's coming through the uh, speaker here or not, but I can barely hear it. I feel like we should cue that up because it's really appropriate for it's not the Price is Right, but there's another kicker coming on down for the tight. Oh, my. Another kicker. They have another kicker. Randy Bullock, we told you yesterday, uh, I gave the numbers. So they've had Aaron Badgley this year. Now they'll have Randy Bullock. Last year they had Steven Goskowski. And that dude's probably somewhere with his with the Titans number on block, I would imagine. Like, okay, yeah. Uh, then they had Sloman, who made one of the biggest kicks in team history to help them win to win the division, Sam Sloman, in one game. So he is in uh Goskowski Sloman not currently kicking right now. Ryan Sec in Suckup uh, in twenty nineteen. Ryan Suckup, who's now with Tampa, won their first game, won the Super Bowl. Cairo Santos, who's in Chicago now. Greg Joseph, who's in Minnesota. Cody Parkey, who I think is currently unemployed. And, oh, there you go. And Ryan Santoso, who was with Carolina, but I think he's already been cut. Again, he only kicked off for the Titans. Those are all the guys. So, Bagley, Goskowski, Sloman, Suckup, Santos, Joseph, Parkey, Santoso, and now... Randy Bullock, come on down. Nine kicker. Santoso, by the way, never even kicked a field goal for the Titans. He just kicked off for three games. So, Bullock is a nine-year vet. Last four years with the Bengals. Made 21 of 26 field goals. 24 of 25 extra points last year. He is also, a lot of Titans fans know him. Remember, he was in Houston for a minute. Oh, okay. So, he was, a lot of times. Yeah, I was paying attention to the kickers. Why do I know that guy's (laughs) name? Yeah, well, I I was thinking uh, Bullock, uh, Keith Bullock. No, no, this is not Keith hey, Bullock. Hey, well, that's a, you know what? They need to give him a call. I think he can kick. I he, bet he, Keith Bullock could kick. Oh, yeah, Keith Bullock. Probably now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of those uh, elite-level athletes. He could at least do a kickoff. He probably could make about a 30-yard field goal, though. He's that kind of dude. Well, I mean, I've I, I, I never heard the end of that song before. Yeah. They just faded down. That's a nice, abrupt ending. So Bullock has kicked for Houston, the Jets, the Giants. So both New York teams, maybe just kept the same apartment in Pittsburgh very briefly, I believe, maybe a game or so. Mm. But I told you, when it comes to kickers and punters, I just picture this island somewhere, and that's where they all live. And so an (laughs) NFL GM, they don't even pick the one that they want. They just phone the island, and they say, send us somebody. So you don't know who you're getting. The Titans got Right. All jokes aside, you really don't know what you're getting. He Randy can come Bullock. in here and, and hit 21 out of 21, right. or he can hit one out of 21. We we have no idea. You just hope that and that he stays healthy. That that too, man. You know, as a head coach, I, I would be sick to my stomach just about kicking. I would be sicker more about that than we got our butts because I, I would figure that won't happen again. The guys are too competitive-natured. NFL players, it's just not going to happen. Not like that anyway. That don't mean you're going to win, but that's not going to happen. But this kicking situation, oh, man. We can't win for losing. We, <laughs> what did you say? They have nine. I think they've had more like nine, 10, 11 kickers now since the last. This you will, said that this is, only, this is 2019 and 20, and this will be the second kicker this year. They had two last year. They take it to 11 kickers? This will be nine kickers including Santosa, who never even attempted oh. a field goal. He only kicked off for the team. And I, I get it. I, I'm getting a headache. I don't know if it's from uh, the smell that's going in this building. Something's burning. Or, or, or if it's from just the kicking. <laughs> Kickers just keep coming, flowing through here. Because I'm telling you now, I told you, I don't know nothing about kicking. So I would leave my kicker alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, when he makes a field goal, I give him the point from a distance. Right. And I'm walking the other way. 
he misses, I'm walking the other way. Right. Yeah, you know, hey, I'm staying out of his head mm-hmm. because kicking is a head deal. You can mess up a kid. You go over and MF him about missing an extra point. Oh, man, now you not, may not have to kick it for the field goal that you need. You, you can't say, oh, what happened? I shanked it, coach. I pulled. I know exa- they know exactly what they did right. immediately. Oh, they yeah, they and know. So I, they I don't have time for that. Go go practice at the net, right. you and your net friend, and and, and just <laughs> kick and just do your job and try to do your best. We can't. We got the gimmies. We got to make the extra points and these shorter field goals. They got to come. Forty and in, that's just automatic for me. You you got to make those. So yeah, you leave those guys alone. Yeah. You thank them after you give them the game ball for making the game willing field go. Right. That's about as much talking you're doing to them because they're separate from the team. People don't realize they are actually separate from the team. At practice, they're on their own little island, as you're talking about, the other field, practicing over there, the punter, kicker, and then Kern's the holder. So he's helping the kicker too. So they're over there together. Mm-hmm. And then they only come over and they say, special teams, field goal. And then right. they run over from the other field, kick the field goals, how many ever they're doing, and then they run. They're kicking butts back to the other field. Sometimes they're not even out there. They inside. They right. in the bubble. They done their work for. They doing the bubble. They right. they may be practicing. I mean, they you know, let them do their deal. Right. Hey man, <laughs> I'd be like, hey man. Hopefully we get them next time, man. We just, yeah, I know you're not gonna make them all, but we gotta have that that first, that, that extra point. We can't miss it, man. I mean, they have been just. This is unbelievable. That we're it still is. talking about. You know, it. you know what's so bad? We were spoiled. We were spoiled because we, we had suck up. Then we, you know, we had always had long term kickers. Yeah. So it never became an issue. and never had one get injured. And really. they've all, they've essentially, other than a game or two, this franchise since you came here has had two punters. Right. Other than when Hendrick or Kern were injured, mm-hmm. and heck, Kern only got here because Hendrick got just his back, and mm-hmm. you know he just said he tried to retire and he came back. But anyway. But he taught Kern everything he knew. We're talking about since 1999, since the team has been the Titans, it's essentially had two punters. Mm, now, they've bad. had nine kickers since 2019. <laughs> man. I mean, this is just. I mean, you got to start saying, man. Stuff up. I mean, I, yeah, I told you my head hurt now. My right side is hurting. Like I am actually kicking. I mean, that would just give me pain. Like, man, what? Are we doing something? I would start, are we doing something wrong? I'd be start messing with my head. I mean, like, dang, thinking, how did he hurt his groin? What is he doing? It was on Friday, remember? These dudes, those guys are so flexible. They stretch all the time. Man, they can do the splits. Yeah. I mean, these guys, yeah, I, I definitely couldn't do no splits. Oh, That's no, why I would be, be leaving the them kickers. Oh, man. Oh, I'd be sick. I hope. Can Ficky come back this year, right? He's, he's on the. Uh, he's on IR, so he's got two more games until he can come back. So maybe the injury wasn't as bad, and they're just trying to survive till then. Yeah. Because they don't want to put him out there and make it worse until it's actually healed. In the meantime, he's probably not doing a lot of kicking. So he's still going to be a little rusty. <laughs> I saw some somebody That's tweeted. the luck of the air. They bring him back up in two weeks. Then he goes out there and just has a horrible day. Somebody tweeted this stat, and, and I'm sorry, but I don't remember who it was. I'll, I'll never find it. But it was basically, and if it's yours, tweet me, and I'll give you full credit. That essentially Mike Vrabel, 30% of the time, it's 29%. It's a one-score game with Mike Vrabel. Yeah, that's why you got to have you, a And you've said kicker. that over and over. That's why you got to have a kicker. Go out there and make a field goal. Go yeah. out there and win the one score. Make the one score. 
Well, especially their style of play yep. is based off of Derrick Henry running the football, and we know a little bit about that, and I do too, with Eddie George. And so all those games were close. I mean, Alder Grekus was almost automatic until 99. Or two, yeah, 2000. Yeah, 2000. Yeah. When he was still, even that year, he was automatic. It, it, you know, he won the Philly game. I think that was a walk-off. That was beautiful in Philly. And then he just had a horrific playoff game, and then, boop, there you're done. The Penguin, Al Del Grecus. Yeah. He was so automatic, he was man. He won coach. a lot of games. Mm-hmm. <sighs> this is the same style. Yeah. I just. Except, we, you know, we're in 2021. <laughs> well, remember, I the, I think it was the Lions and Lucas. He seems to have a mind like a steel trap. I think the Lions basically just cut all their kickers to get to 53 and then just signed a kicker the next week. Yeah, they did have a they didn't have hot a minute without a kicker. They went they went a few days without even having a kicker. Like Dan Campbell's like, yeah, just oh, call you the even surprised with the way See, Dan Campbell somebody. talks. No, I'm not surprised at all. They just cut all their kickers, and then it's like, we'll just find one next week. We'll call the island. There's some They'll out there, so we, we need right. this spot, but we, we know we can get a kicker. Uh, well, I, well, guess what? I'm going to just say this. When you're the Detroit Lions, you can do something like that. But when you're the Titans and you know you have a really good team, you're not messing around with no kick and putting him out there on a, on a waiver wire, man. Let's, uh, let's mess around with Jordan Dijon. He's going to join us next to talk all things NFL. Our buddy from CBS Sports up next on Blaine and Mickey. Sorry, Detroit Lions fans. <laughs> Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Yeah, I talked to my daughter's principal for a while this morning on the phone. Jordan Dijani. Yeah, Jordan Dijani talked to Devontae Adams. We had different mornings, huh? You got to talk to an <laughs> all-pro receiver. Hey, hey, what's going on, guys? What's up, Thanks Jordan? for having me on. Yeah, yeah, we had a good conversation. You know, obviously it wasn't, it wasn't the best combo it could be because the Packers got absolutely walloped by the Saints in week one. But, you know, we talked about what his mindset was and the franchise's goals moving forward. He told, he made sure that to tell me to tell everyone to relax. They're going to be just fine. We talked about Aaron Rodgers, what makes him such a special quarterback, things like that. So definitely going to have an interview and something written about that coming up on CBSSports.com probably tomorrow. Well, it's interesting. The Titans and the Packers, literally somebody tweeted at our show uh, Sunday night late, or we were doing – I mean, our show was us and Kevin Dyson when we do the pre- and the post-game show. Jordan and somebody said, hey, it could be worse. We could be the Packers. I mean, if you look at who laid the biggest two eggs in week one, I know they both played good teams, but it had to be the Titans and the Packers, especially when you look at how far the score got spread out, and the Pack got it even worse. Yeah, I would agree with that. Those are definitely the two candidates for teams who laid the biggest eggs in week one. But I think I'd have to lean towards the Packers in terms of being the biggest disappointment. I mean, the Saints team was expected to be entering in a completely new era. A lot of question marks. You know, Jameis Winston taking over for Drew Brees. How exactly was that going to look? You know, not to dive too deeply into it, but I was absolutely fascinated by his new role in Sean Payton's offense. I think it's going to be very successful moving forward, but that doesn't exactly explain why the Packers scored just a measly three points. Uh, that was pretty incredible. Aaron Rodgers, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, you know, they got shaken around on both sides of the ball. So that was very surprising, but 
I think that we all understand in the NFL world, the Packers and, yes, the Titans, you know, they are expected to be contenders this season. It wasn't a glamorous week one showing, but I know that everyone anticipates these two teams are going to bounce back. Jordan Dejani, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey. He's with CBS Sports. He is at Jordan Dejani. He's the only Jordan Dejani on Twitter that I know of. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we started off with Dak and Tampa Bay and Brady. Man, and they finished last night with the Raiders and Ravens. I mean, what did you think about that game? And, oh, by the way, Darren Waller, the future Hall of Famer, as Gruden said, he was the best player that he ever coached. Uh, I think some guys may be a little disappointed that (laughs) (laughs) that he said that. But, man, what did you think about that game? How exciting, right? Yeah, I'm sure some players were a little bit upset. I think John Gruden was just riding high. He had some quote talking about how he felt like he died and then came back to life like four times. I think that's how every NFL fan felt watching this game. I mean, it was fascinating. The comeback that the Raiders were able to engineer, 17 points scored in in the fourth quarter to take it to overtime. And then we all know how bonkers overtime got. You know, it looked like Derek Carr didn't really have it through the first three quarters, and he was able to rebound and get his offense moving, and they were able to pull off the upset win. I mean, I was excited because I had the Raiders on the money line. I I saw this game as one that was going to be an upset just because of the environment that I anticipated was going to be taking place in Vegas, and sure enough, it did not let us down. But, you know, Lamar Jackson, one of the best players in the NFL, undoubtedly the kind of dual-threat-capable athlete he is, but – He was unable to carry his team to victory. I think that's something to watch moving forward. You know, Tyson Williams had an okay game, 65 yards on the ground as the new starting running back for the Ravens. He had a touchdown as well. But this will be an interesting thing to watch as we move forward. How exactly are the Ravens going to shake things up on offense? But shout out to the Raiders. That was a very fun game. This Raiders team has potential to beat any team in the NFL on any given Sunday. Uh, We saw that last year. They were the only team to to defeat Patrick Mahomes in the regular season. So that's another interesting team to watch as we move forward through the regular season. What, I guess, what was your biggest surprise? Like what team, like, played really well and won? uh, and, And you say, man, and they also had some individual, you know, great performances as well. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I can point to a lot of different teams and players. One game that I was interested in watching was actually the Denver Broncos. I was kind of, uh, uh, I was a little critical of the decision to go with Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke. I thought Drew Locke could be a quarterback who adds more to your offense than Teddy Bridgewater does. But Teddy Bridgewater played fantastic. And I don't know if you guys saw the highlights, but he has a Derek Henry-like stiff arm. That guy was evading tacklers in the pocket like nothing else. And he threw for 264 yards, two touchdowns. They look like the dominant team against the New York Giants squad that has some work to do. So I was pretty impressed with what the Denver Broncos did. And I think that's important to note because when you examine this roster top to bottom, both sides of the ball, the Broncos really do look like a contender on paper. But it's just how exactly – it's it's how they're going to play together, really on both sides of the ball. They have a lot of good weapons on offense, but – can they play as a cohesive unit? And that's really going to come down to Teddy Bridgewater. So a great start for this team. Excited to see what they do throughout the regular season. Mm. Well, uh, Jordan, tell me what you saw in the Colts Seahawks game. Cause in the highlights, I thought I saw Russell Wilson be more emotional than I have ever seen him throughout a season or even in a game. So man, what did they do there? And it looked like he was just throwing bombs away, but kind of take us through what that game was actually like. 
Yeah, that was a fun game to watch. And I think a lot of people probably chose the Seahawks in their survivor pool league, which was a good pick. But, you know, I think the biggest addition the Seahawks made this offseason was actually offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. I think he opened up a lot of doors for Russell Wilson in terms of what he wants to do downfield. And we know looking at this wide receiving core with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, um, even Chris Carson getting involved as well, like what this offense can be capable of. Now, it, of course, comes down to maintaining consistency. That's something the Seahawks haven't been able to do for a full 16, now 17-game regular season. But, you know, all signs point to this team being one of the best in the NFL, and the NFC West went, went undefeated in week one, so that's something to, to note as well. But offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, he, he looked like the biggest addition for this Seahawks offense um, I'm excited to see what they do as we progress through the regular season, how this, how this dynamic offensive attack, how great they can really be. But, yeah, man, if you checked out that game, you checked out the highlights, it was just wide receivers running free in the secondary. And sure enough, Russell Wilson had a huge game. We're on with uh, Jordan Dijani, uh, NFL writer for CBS Sports. Jordan, it was interesting because with the Seahawks, the reviews were so great on Shane Waldron. As you talked about, Russell Wilson had his second highest rated quarterback game of his entire career in week one. That's how well he's meshed into that system. Meanwhile, I think I saw Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus tweet that Todd Downing broke the meter that they used to measure efficiency with coordinators with how bad the first Titans game was. Two different stories for two teams that are about to play each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you brought up the Titans. I don't know how much you guys have talked about this, but you know what my immediate takeaway was? And, and I mean, the first thing I thought of through one quarter of play in the Titans-Cardinals game, preseason football matters. No, it's not entertaining, but it has a purpose. It has meaning. Remember when Kyler Murray and the Cardinals' first team offense went three and out three separate times against Kansas City in the preseason? Yep, they took their lumps. They got back on the same page. They reconvened when it came to their offensive philosophy, and they were able to put out a clean product in the opening week. The Titans, on the other hand, they were not on the same page at all. They didn't win in any facet of the game. And, you know, I think that, like I said, I think we all anticipate Tannehill is going to be better. Henry's going to be even more efficient. The wide receiving core is going to look better. But, you know, that lack of preseason in terms of the team's philosophies when they don't want to start their starters, they open themselves up to not being on the same page when football games begin to matter here in early September. So at the same time, it also exacerbated some of the weaknesses that we anticipated when it comes to the Titans in terms of the offensive line play, in terms of the secondary getting beat, uh, play in, play out. So I think preseason football matters, man. And I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from week one as a whole. Jordan Dejani, and here's another thing. Uh, there's a new show on Fox called Kicker Island, and it's just about all the kickers who are moderately unemployed and they live on an <laughs> island together because all teams just get people out of this same group of people over and over and recycle them. Titans are getting ready to recycle another kicker. This time it's a guy they used to see with the Texans, Randy Bullock. Come on down. Ninth kicker for this team since 2019. This is unbelievable. And, you know, I think that the Titans are not the only team struggling to find a consistent kicker. I wonder if it's something that has to do with us moving the extra point back. I mean, like Blaine said, it, it really is a mind game when it comes to your success as a kicker. It's almost like being a golfer. And as soon as you start to struggle and you find yourself on the practice squad and then you're playing for different practice squads, being called up to the active roster, if you don't have a good showing in that one game, then you could be cut. You could be, uh, you know, delegated to the, to the practice squad again. 
it's really interesting. And, you know, I don't know how to solve this problem exactly because I was, I was cautiously optimistic for the money badger. I thought he would, could potentially be somewhat of a long-term answer for the Titans. But after his pouring, poor showing on Sunday, obviously that's not going to happen. So now we move on to Randy Bullock. He, he had some good years with the Bengals. As you mentioned, we were pretty familiar with him due to his time with the Houston Texans. I have no choice but to try to be cautiously optimistic moving forward. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens with Sam Thicken. He's on IR. He's going to miss at least the next two games. I haven't been following the story, so I don't know how necessarily be, uh, beat up he is. I don't know if he's going to be able to return sooner rather than later. But, yeah, man, the Titans are facing some serious issues at kicker, which is very important if you want to be a contender in this league. Jordan Dejani is a contender every week with us here on Blaine and Mickey talking NFL. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it, Jordan. I guess give us an update. You know, I saw a little bit of the Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, but kind of take us through what, uh, you know, all these uh, first-year quarterbacks are doing as of this moment after week one. Yeah, let's start with Mac Jones. I, I was very impressed with what he did with the Patriots. You know, his first snap throwing the ball, he fumbled. It didn't look like he was going <laughs> to be on the fast track to success. I don't know if you guys really? saw that, but it was pretty funny. Wow. But he was able to rebound, and, and I think he played a very good game. Now, a, a late fumble obviously cost New England their chances to win that game, but overall, 281 passing yards, one touchdown. I thought it was a successful outing. You should be very amped up if you're a Patriots fan. Now, on the other side, uh, Zach Wilson, uh, he had a pretty up-and-down game. It didn't, he didn't really get going until the second half. That's when they scored four, their 14 points. They went scoreless through the first two quarters. Um, you know, his protection was very subpar, so you can't blame him for that. I thought his awareness could have been up a tick, but at the same time, he also had a lot of wide receivers dropping balls as well. So this is an issue that, you know, we anticipated the Jets having to deal with, just getting on the same page with the rookie quarterback, seeing what his tendencies are as an offensive coordinator so that you can move forward in a successful manner. So Zach Wilson didn't have exactly an amazing debut, but I'm excited to see what he does moving forward. As for Trevor Lawrence, I remember last week when I was on with you guys, I, I took out my flamethrower and I said a hot take as in, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to find success under Urban Meyer. Well, I think he kind of proved me wrong. So his stat line wasn't incredibly impressive, three touchdowns, three interceptions, but he showed that versatility in terms of him being able to roll outside the pocket, hit his wide receivers downfield. He took a lot of risks. There's no doubt about that. But when you're a rookie quarterback in week one, I think I kind of want to see that, especially if you're a rebuilding franchise like the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I liked what I saw out of Trevor Lawrence. I think we all anticipate he's going to get better as the year progresses as well. Mm. We're on with Jordan uh, Dijani, uh, NFL writer for CBS Sports. Last one for me, and that is bold prediction. Who wins rookie of the year on the offense and defense? Ooh, that's a great question. So, yeah, I think I flipped. I think I had a really hot take when I was on with you guys earlier. I said uh, Denver Broncos running back Javante Williams was my pick. But I, I like that pick. But at the same time, I think you're, you're, more, you're better suited if you want to win money to actually pick a quarterback. And after seeing Mac Jones with Bill Belichick, I mean, he's kind of set up for success in this division that's pretty wide open with one of the best coaches of all time. Um, he has a pretty good offensive line. The wide receiving core is a little bit improved. Two really good tight ends. Uh, a good stable of running backs. I'm interested in Mac Jones. He's probably the leader at, in, at the uh, clubhouse, in my opinion, right here. But as for defense, you know, I, I still like Micah Parsons a lot. He didn't have a great debut um, with the, against the uh, Buccaneers, but he's still a player who is absolutely NFL ready. 
Um, I, I think he's going to make an impact moving forward for this team as a starter. Mm. And one more real quick, though. This game was really good. I was watching some of this game, and that was the Chiefs and the Browns. I mean, man, the Browns looked like they were the real deal. They let it slip away from them, but it was at Kansas City. I mean, what did you think about that game? Yeah, the thing that really stood out to me about this game is the, the hot start that the Browns got up to. I think that's a formula for success if you want to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, of course, that, that victory did not come to fruition. Baker Mayfield made a, a bad decision trying to throw the ball away on the final drive of the game. But the Chiefs are the Chiefs, man. You know, no one likes moral victories, but if you're a Browns fan, I thought that you could probably reach for a moral victory here in week one. The Browns, it seems like, have officially turned over a new chapter. Um, they're going to be a contender moving forward. It was interesting that Baker Mayfield did not throw a touchdown through the air. I don't think I would have anticipated that. I probably lost money on that prop. But we all know that this uh, running back duo of, of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting that David Njoku had a really good showing. He led the Browns in receiving. They have a rookie out of Auburn by the name of Anthony Schwartz, who's a speedster. Keep an eye on him. This Browns team is going to be very good, but the Kansas City Chiefs are the Kansas City Chiefs. I would anticipate there is still going to be one of the better teams in the NFL this year. We're with uh, Jordan Dijani, NFL writer for CBS Sports. Jordan, what do you think Urban Meyer has called his agent as far as dirty words this week? Because, you know, he's like, hey, man, why didn't you just tell me to hold on for this USC job? Then I could just go be the king of USC for a few years and not have to deal with losing in the NFL. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, you know, it's really funny. I'm sure you guys saw the video today of him being asked the question about USC and, and just seeing his body language. And it's kind of funny because <laughs> when, when, this, <laughs> when this job came open, I'm going to be real with you guys. I was like, okay, he's one game into his NFL career. There's no way this is going to happen. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't get all the hype around it. But then when he was asked the question and he started putting his hands in his pockets and looking at the ground and twisting around like he was a, a kid who got caught with his hand in the cookie jar, I thought that was pretty funny. But at the same time, I don't anticipate some crazy move happening along those lines with him, uh, you know, being a, a legitimate candidate for this USC job. We're too early in the regular season to talk about that. But, yeah, the Jaguars, man, they, they were one of the biggest disappointments of week one as well because we all anticipated the Houston Texans would be the worst team in the NFL. But it looks like they're going to be better than the Jaguars, at least through the early portions of the regular season. Jordan, that's the first place Houston Texans. Put some respect on that. <laughs> Absolutely. One guy who I know will have people fired up because they're America's team, I was blown away with how well Dak Prescott played. Absolutely blown away. Not that he hasn't been great at times in his career, but it's been so long, and that dude just came and balled the heck out. Oh, I was too. I mean, 403 yards, three touchdowns. Even the interception he threw was a perfect throw. I think it was the CD land between three defenders, and he wasn't able to reel it in, and it resulted in an interception. Dak Prescott came and absolutely balled out. I was shocked that he threw the ball 58 times. Coming off of that shoulder soreness, weird injury designation, I didn't know exactly how he was going to look. But, I mean, he looks fantastic. And, and that's great for the Cowboys in terms of your franchise quarterback, yada, yada. I get that. But I think our eyes should just be on the Cowboys as a team, as a whole, right? I mean, Dak Prescott still wasn't able to lead, you know, a game-winning drive with a touchdown. This defense still does not look very good at all. They face another tough test in the Los Angeles Chargers here in week two. I think that game's going to be very telling because if they win this game and win it by at least a touchdown, 
then I think that we can be very optimistic about Dallas's chances in the postseason, at least moving forward. But if they lose this game, then we're all going to have to take a step back and kind of reconvene and try to see what the Cowboys' ceiling is really going to be moving forward. So, yes, Dak Prescott, absolutely a very good quarterback, no doubt about that. But when it comes to this team as a whole, that's what really wins Super Bowls. That's what really contenders are built on, right? It comes down to the 53-man the roster, not just how good your quarterback is. So that's a storyline to keep an eye on as we move forward. Man, good stuff. Uh, Jordan Dejani, you can follow him at Jordan Dejani on Twitter. Uh, read all of his stuff at CBS Sports. Thanks, man. Look forward to uh, catching up with you. Same time, same channel again next week. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you, Jordan. Yes, sir. Jordan Dejani. Um, we come back. I put a poll out there earlier. We had Jimmy Himes on. And we were asking him about quarterback stuff, and he kind of went through all three quarterbacks. And I guess Josh Heupel today even talked about Harrison Bailey a little bit and said great things. But here's the question on Blaine and Mickey Twitter. You can go there and answer who should start at quarterback for the Vols. Uh, I'll tell you where we are with that when we come back. A couple of these numbers might really surprise you. I'll share that next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Yeah, Tennessee Vols. i got to figure out this quarterback thing. Uh, it was interesting when Hendon Hooker came in, and Blaine, you and I have talked about this a little bit on the air. We talked a lot of Titans this week, but... Uh, yeah, but Jimmy. Hooker's... It, he looks comfortable running the offense, and um, he's a real experienced guy, just like Joe Milton. And I know Hendon had a couple of turnovers, and Jimmy Himes was on with us earlier, and he talked about the, the throw that he made. They got picked off. He should have seen... You know, he mm-hmm. should have seen that, should have maybe had better vision there. I guess both quarterbacks got hit and fumbled in the game, but uh, um, Hooker just looked more efficient. Yeah. Really, he looked like a quarterback. I, I feel like Milton looks like uh, an athlete with an atomic rocket arm, and that's it. And we're we're four years in now. The guy already graduated from Michigan. Now he's on his in three years, by the way, which is an accomplishment in itself. Hats off to him. Uh, now you're in your fourth year, and you still look somewhat the same. And and hype was supposed to be the guru. Well, the guru can't contain this rocket of an arm. I don't care. You know, remember, I'm not real big on your quarterback is a field. Quit talking about practice. Remember that's the same thing Butch Jones used to say about Dobbs. Dobbs. I'm like, well, obviously, when he gets in the game. He doesn't look like he does at practice, you know? So, you know, when the lights come on, maybe uh, old Milton gets a little too hyped up and starts just, man, letting it launch. I mean, that ball is, man, (laughs) if he just can get that, well, in practice, there's not the drilling rush. There's not pressure. There's not last seconds. So there's a lot of, you know, things going on that's different than practice. So it's two games in. And I know Hypo doesn't want to be wrong. So he's going to give him the attaboy here. He's going to continue. So he's going to soft play it and be like, well, he's injured. He could play, but we're just going to let Hooker as Tennessee Tech. And guess what? Against Tennessee Tech, Hooker's going to look probably great. We're going with Hooker. No, nah, well, that was against Tennessee Tech. Right. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. So, uh, yeah, and then I think they should let Bailey get in there. If, if Bailey's not even close, I mean, man, what, what does that say about the, the rating system? Man, I mean, he has to be able to be in the flow. And everybody's talking about you have to be a running quarterback. You don't – Hypo's offense, you don't have to be a running quarterback. 
And I can't recall any of those uh, quarterbacks running at UCF. <laughs> so that's a misnomer there. Uh, maybe these, he just thinks these guys are better. And, you know, sometimes you make a bad judgment. And one of them was Joe Milton was going to be your guy regardless because you wanted him and you thought he was better than the other ones because, oh, he has a stronger arm. He sure does. He does. But is it accurate? And is it on time? Not always the best athlete is the better player. You've talked about this some with all these quarterback, you know, the big rookie class, and one of the things you brought up repeatedly is, look, the team is going to know whether or not that guy's ready to start. We've talked about this a lot with the NFL just because of all the rookie quarterbacks, and you said you're going to lose the team if you pick the wrong guy because they know who should be starting. Well, well if you make the wrong choice, yeah. and it wasn't clear. Yep. Uh, you know, clear as day, and then all of a sudden, you know, some guys, when the lights click on, they just play better. That was Dobbs at the time. Got a call here on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. I'll share with you our po- uh, poll results. But, uh, Andy, give us uh, give us a little bit here. We got a little bit of time to talk. What's going on? Ain't nobody ever had a rocket arm like Brett Favre did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, come on, you know I'm right on that one. Yeah, well, he had to play against that I guy. I don't, I don't know if he could throw as far as uh, Milton, though. But you're right. Yeah, Brett well, Favre had a, you know, he would. Oh man, he would. A lot of those guys was breaking fingers and dislocating them in the games. <laughs> so what? What they did with him is they set like 55 gallon trash cans up in all four corners of the end zone and made him throw. And landed in that trash can without knocking it over. Right. They used to call they, that drop it in the bucket. That's how they broke him from yep. stuff. Huh? Yeah, they call that drop it in the bucket. Yep, they did. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I'm no coach. I fix air conditioners. So, <laughs> uh, but that's you're what the they smartest did smartest one of all, dude, years. if you understand that stuff. Say again? I said you're the smartest one of all if you can fix air conditioners. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm a little older. I've been doing that for a minute. <laughs> so... But I know that that's how they got far to quit throwing those line drive 50, 60 yard passes was making throw them that drop in the bucket, like Blaine said. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we're trying that with Milton, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm an Alabama fan, but I, I, Ron Slade got me actually pulling for UT, except when they play Alabama. But, you know, so I want to see them do good. I think Hypo's like on the right track, but man, they, you, they got to teach that guy how to get some air under that ball and so that just. Yeah. I mean, there's times and places for that arm, but 50 yards away on a on a on a on a zip string is not how you throw that ball. Yeah, when a guy's yeah. 30 yards down the yeah. field, and, that and that's a great pass. point that he's making. Is be and now that leads me to is in year four, Milton, who he is, who he's going to be. It's year four. It's, I mean, this guy's been playing, so he had those same issues. Jimmy Hines said it. Accuracy on point, going through his progression. It seems like those same issues are seem like they're still cropping up. And we're talking about against, uh, you know, Pitt, who's a probably a good ACC team, not a great one, a really good one. Uh, and then you're talking about Bowling Green and Bowling Green, maybe the worst defensive team in Division One football. Yeah, Milton is fifty-one point four percent passing in two games so far with the Vols. He's fifty fifty. 6.6% in Michigan. Here's the poll results. So I hear the Eagles, which means we got to uh, fly away for 3HL. Joe Milton, we should ask a simple question. Who should start for the Vols? Joe Milton, 17.2%. Hendon Hooker, 55.6%. Harrison Bailey, 27.2%. Bunch of those Vol fans want to see Bailey. Yeah. Let's see what he's got. Why not? 
Yeah, I mean, you're going to see him in his Tennessee Tech. You got to give him some reps. Got to Sorry. give him some reps against Tech. Yeah, yeah. No offense, Eagles. Yeah. Speaking oh, of no, Eagles. No, no, no. Yeah. Hey, it is what it is. It always is. And uh, it is time for us to go 3HL coming up next on The Zone. <laughs> and as always, be careful out there and be safe and peace. peace.